0: Welcome to We Hear Her. I am Erin Trenbeth Murray. And I am Jennifer Bean. We're here today with another amazing woman who's sharing her story and insights to lessons learned. All right, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Bev Wiebe, and I am here today with Gina Alfred, who is with Salt Lake Community College. Gina, you've got titles, and I'm sure more titles that I can't even talk about. Um, But uh, before we turn the time over, today we're going to talk about uh, what it's like to be a woman of color here in Utah um, as we serve in our communities, um, and other feedback that we'd like to hear from Gina.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Yes, Thank you. So tell
0: us a little bit more about yourself, Gina, and what um, you do at Salt Lake Community College.
1: Okay, well, I am not a native of Utah. <clears throat> I am uh, born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri, so I like to say I've been visiting Utah for the past 20, 21 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, at Salt Lake Community College, I've been there since about 2012. Um, I'm a coordinator of student affairs, and I am the president of staff associations, so I represent all of the... The staff um, at the college. Um, I was also licensed and ordained as a pastor under um, Corey J. Hodges over at the Point mm-hmm. Church uh,
0: back in 2010. So, wow, what an yeah. exciting! That's a kind <laughs> of a, a wide range of yeah. at least coming into to Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, what brought you to Utah uh, to visit <laughs> 21 years ago? <laughs>
1: uh, so. When I actually graduated high school, um, I had cousins out in Job Corps, and they'd be like, oh, come out to Job Corps, because uh, I never really thought about college being an option, especially coming mm-hmm. from St. Louis. It was just a matter of trying to survive. Um, and so I came out to Job Corps, ended up uh, finishing a trade, meeting my daughter's father, and then staying here, left. The Lord brought me back. Um, and I've been here you know, left again. He brought me back. So I said, okay, <laughs> there must be purpose here in Utah. Right. Um, and when I started um, at Salt Lake Community College, I actually started as a full-time student. Um, and I was working on an associates for humanities. Um, and then I was hired on full-time. Um, then I went to Liberty University and received um, my bachelor's in theology Um to accompany that pastoralship Mm -hmm. Um, and that's where my passion was Um, not realizing that it was people you know for the passion but um, it was religion psychology philosophy along those lines but always people were the center Um, and talking about servant leadership it was one of those things where uh, any injustice, it doesn't matter who it's against, whether it's a man, woman, child, black, white, you know, Polynesian, Asian, etc injustices ruffle my feathers like no other. And I, I just, here in Utah, would see documentaries um, on Netflix that would just incite a passion in me and I was just like (laughs) pointing my finger at God do something about this all the while I kept feeling him saying you do something Mm -hmm. you do something and so I just started being active and involved um, and just speaking up and speaking out on behalf of uh, marginalized underrepresented
0: uh, individuals so, And so, um, you were, as a fellow qu- Christian, mm-hmm. um, what have you felt your calling is? I mean, you're obviously a woman of color here mm-hmm. in Utah. We are women yeah. of color here in Utah. Um, as you know, coming from St. Louis, mm-hmm. the diversity, I guess, ratio is mm-hmm. not as much as there is back in, yeah. in St. Louis. Tell me maybe some of the challenges and, and the purpose that you're finding yourself in. Uh, into in the community or whether it's mm-hmm. at the college or with your pastoralship,
1: yeah. Um It's been tough. Um, coming from St. Louis to Salt Lake, there was the culture shock. Um, and when I did come back in 2001, um, not really seeing a lot of people of color um, and just having not so pleasant experiences with my daughter. She was four at the mm-hmm. time in you know preschool or daycare when I would have to work as a single mom. Uh, taking her to daycares that were maybe 24 hours and then going to pick her up and hearing these horrific, you know, stories about how she was treated, you know, simply because of the color of her skin. And so, and you can't beat up kids on a playground, right? (laughs) So it's like, oh, how do we change this? How do we help people understand that even though my skin or my melanin is darker, Mm -hmm. I'm still a human being. Mm -hmm. I still bleed red like you when cut. And so, um, just just having not necessarily even a passion, but a compassion, understanding that we are all human beings. And so um, seeing my daughter go through that, I had to make a tough decision of, you know, um, sending her to the Virgin Islands, right? Um, where everyone looked like her. And although you might think that's a great thing, it almost um, created a bubble, so to speak, where because everyone on island looked like her when she came to the States, it was almost as if she was oblivious to racism, you know, um, Mm -hmm. thinking, mom, you're overreacting. And it's like, no, you know, and after being in Utah uh, for some time, she came back after she graduated high school to go to college for free <laughs> at Salt Lake Community College uh, because Thank I you, worked mom. there, sure enough. <laughs> <shown up. laughs> and so um, then she started to experience microaggressions and things of that nature. And so it, it was one of those things where as a mom, you're always in protector mode, but at the same time, you think about your child. Mm-hmm. I want her to learn to navigate certain things on her own. And so um, when I was reached out to about women who succeed and they say, well, we want to mentor young women, I intentionally said I would love to be a mentor, but a a mentor for young women of color because representation matters. Um, I had to go through the instances of having a daughter who um, at the time was not okay with the texture um, and coarseness of her hair, wanting her hair to look a certain way, you know, and having to help her understand that you are created in the image and likeness of God. When people look at you, they see God and he created you the way he did, you know? And so you have to embrace that because if you do, you don't, who will, it was tough. It was challenging. And years later, we're still, you know, dealing with issues like that here in the state. However, I I am hopeful, um, which is why I want to, again, be out, talk vocally. I think if people understand that, again, hey, we're human beings. Hey, I like eating McDonald's just like you like eating McDonald's. I like shopping at Costco like you like. Like, there's nothing that differentiates us as human beings other than our experiences Mm -hmm. culturally. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And once we can understand that um, and and humanize Mm -hmm. each other, I think... um, we can go a long way, right? Mm-hmm. We can change some things. And so um, I was excited to be part of Women Who Succeed uh, because I, I do believe, again, representation matters, mm-hmm. especially for young women of color here in Utah. Um, you know, when you, as a, a black woman, having natural curly hair, it's like, I can't go to Great Clips and get the hairstyle I want <laughs> because, Even though you may have women at Great Clips who went to cosmetology school, it's not going to be the same experience, right? Mm -hmm. I I need someone that understands what it's like to be black and knows how to, you know, do black hair, Mm -hmm. things of that nature. And so um, being out and vocal, Mm -hmm. getting people used to hearing conversations and not being afraid to have those conversations and creating what we've coined... um, (laughs) Some of the faculty at Salt Lake Community College as a base space, uh, a brave, authentic, safe space Mm, where um, where, you know, you can have these vulnerable, authentic conversations. And even if someone says something that may seem offensive, their their landing is safe. Mm Right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Typically, when you fall, you may abraze, you may have an abrasion Mm -hmm. or something that may hurt. But we want to create a soft space so that when you fall, you're not afraid to get up and fall again if necessary, in order for you to learn what needs to be learned when you're interacting with someone who who doesn't look like you, talk Mm -hmm. like you, or maybe from where you're from.
0: Mm -hmm. And so I love that you call it the base (laughs) space. and, and let's talk about maybe ha- moving into the women who succeed mm-hmm. space mm-hmm. i know that that we have many mm-hmm. young women mm-hmm. many mm-hmm. Um, i have two of minority descent ethnic think d- okay. d- diversity and um, but i have four now i know the conversations right for me are going to be um, as as neutral as possible mm-hmm. but there might be some things that resonate more with with two, and mm-hmm. maybe not with the others. How would you encourage um, someone who is taking this on, right? Taking this on as a woman of color, or maybe not a woman of color, mm-hmm. who have young minds of color um, mm-hmm. in their mentee wheelhouse? How would you encourage what base looks like in these conversations? Because we're not at Salt Lake Community, mm. right? Um, but they're obviously uh, time, right? Mm -hmm. We don't have as much time Mm -hmm. maybe as we would normally have with the mentors. Right. Um, So how would you encourage um, women to help other women understand what space for women Mm -hmm. of color looks like for young minds?
1: Uh, I think that's a great question. And simply put, (laughs) um, let people be who they are, Mm -hmm. right? I think um, often, We hear terms like professionalism and and everyone has an idea of what it means to be professional. Right. But when we think about it, professionalism is a white colonial word. And so when you look at professionalism, maybe from a black perspective, I think about my ancestors who were kings and queens, you know, in their villages and they didn't wear suits. Right. (laughs) And so but they were still professional because they were running you know Mm -hmm. the country Mm -hmm. so to speak so i think when we let people be who they are and not try to um put them in a box not trying to say i get this all the time you've been here this long and you still have an accent and i'm like i don't have an accent (laughs) you know and it's like yes you do you talk like you're from the south and i'm like well me personally i will never probably ever sound like I'm from Utah because I'm not, right? Mm -hmm. So embrace me for who I am from where I come from. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the best things we can do, especially when we're dealing with young impressionable minds, Mm -hmm. let them develop into who they are meant to be on their own, right? Let's not, we can make a blueprint, but that blueprint should, um, that blueprint should probably consist of multiple ways to get to an end destination. And what I mean by that is, for me, I never thought college would, was an option, right? I grew up in St. Louis, um, mm-hmm. where <laughs> in the early 80s, late um, towards the latter part of 80s, I'm ducking and dodging bullets, trying to survive. Mm-hmm. Bloods came from California to infiltrate the neighborhood to recruit. So that's the environment I grew up in. College was never a, a, a thought for me because I'm too busy trying to learn how to survive in my neighborhood. You know, I, I didn't have someone saying, you need to do this, you need to do that. You ha-, you know, I, of course, had a mom in the home. She was a single mom raising three kids. So her thing was, hey, when I'm not here, you're in the house, doors locked, don't answer the door, you know, no one comes in, things of that nature. It wasn't until I moved here to Utah that, and, and years after I would moved here, mm-hmm. I began to think about college, right? And so I understand that college is not for everybody, and it's not for everyone at an appointed time, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning a lot of people think you come right out of high school, you go right into college. I'm not this, you know, saying don't get an education. By any means, I am not I'm not saying don't go to school to get an education. Get an education. But you have to do it when it's right for you. Mm-hmm. I went to college working on an associates in my 30s. And I'm 44 now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to be ready for that, right? Because it's also a state of mind. You know, was I going to be disciplined to do the work? And so I think when we're mentoring young uh, children or young women, or even if they don't look like us, if they're from a different culture or a different background, Embrace them where they are. Let them learn and stumble and fall on their own. Sometimes we try to prevent our children or those that we're mentoring from falling, but we also do damage that way. Let them fall, let them scrape that knee because that I think builds resilience, but then it also, it helps them to learn things. You know, as the saying go, experience is the best teacher. (laughs) Some people learn by experience. Some people, you can say, hey, right, the hard way, you can say, don't touch the stove, it's hot. And you may have three children that you tell that to one probably will not touch the stove because, hey, hearing it is enough. But the others ah, uh, they're going to touch, mm-hmm. even though they've seen someone just touch the stove and get back. They still want to experience that. And so I think just letting people be who they are and embrace them where they are. That is so important because you may be here, but someone may be here. It's not to say that this creates a hierarchy. It just says that, hey, they need a little more time to develop in whatever it is that they're trying to develop in. Mm -hmm. So be patient with them. Again, humanize the experience. Let them be who they are, where they are, and embrace them, and you'll be surprised at what you can cultivate in that individual if you just allow them to be who they are.
0: I love that you said that Um, I wanted to uh, maybe talk about because people may be watching this and you know if you're a mentee in -hmm. the women who succeed program Mm -hmm. um, there may be younger siblings there Mm -hmm. may be others that they influence Mm -hmm. in this Mm -hmm. Um, what would be something that we can share with our, our our fellow mentors when knowing it might not be just that one life that we affect, mm-hmm. that it might be an entire family, um, you know, because they might be looking up to her. Right. Right. But we only have her attention right. at the at the moment. Um, how can we help encourage in these spaces of our women who succeed meetings mm-hmm. our networking to then kind of pay it forward or to cause that ripple effect of change yeah. and and inspiration?
1: Um, That's a great question, and I think one of the things that we unintentionally do um, when we are mentoring or when we're in leadership roles, we make it about us. Right. It's what do I have to do to be a good leader, to be a good mentor, et cetera, et cetera. So then it it all becomes about what we should or should not do. Um, I like for us to shift that narrative and shift that thinking. Let's make it about those that we are leading that have leadership and mentoring. That's a privilege. Right. Um, If you're in a leadership position. And uh, you're taking a walk, but there's no one behind you following. You're not right. leading anyone. You're just taking a walk. And so I think um, when dealing with mente- mentees, um, put them on the pedestal, for lack of a better term, not idolize them, but make it about them. Because like you said, you're developing um, a mind, helping to you know uh, groom a young mind that in turn has siblings or cousins or friends looking up to them so you are in essence developing the next hopefully servant leader that will have that mentality that mentoring and leadership is not about me but the people i have the privilege of serving and impacting so i think if we um keep mentees and those that we have the privilege of leading as leaders in the forefront mm-hmm. and we yeah. always make it about them. What are their needs? What are their goals? Because when you help them reach their peak, then you're going to reach your peak as well mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because you're you're creating a, a ripple effect or a chain effect. So just put that mentee first, ask them, what are your needs? Mm-hmm. what What is it that you're lacking? How can I help you mm-hmm. be a better you? Not a mini me, not my protege but a better you and and i think that's one of the best things we can do to help develop uh, a young mind is again give them the tools that Mm -hmm. they need not that we think they need but the tools that they actually need to succeed
0: gina do you have any final last thoughts that you'd like to leave us with before we we end this wonderful wonderful interview
1: um, I, I don't other than uh, be who you are, embrace who you are, love who you are and where you are, and be the leader that you were created to be. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you for taking time to hear her. Join our efforts and learn more at org. A big thank you to our sponsor, the Clark and Christine Ivory Foundation.